For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. May God bless the reading of his holy word. This will be our text for the message. Now, earlier in Romans, Paul teaches that whatever we suffer for Christ's sake in this world is not worthy to be compared to the glory that will be revealed in us. And as we go on in our text, we will take a closer look at what Paul means by the glory which shall be revealed in us. As we think about the glory that shall be revealed in us, we must remember that the glory of God is already in believers in the person of God the Holy Spirit. There are at least 16 different references to the Holy Spirit in Romans 8. Romans 8-9 is very clear about the necessity of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. It says, but you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. The reason we have to refresh our memories about this is so when we come to Romans 8.26a, we won't forget how much has been taught about the Spirit already. Romans 8.26a tells us that the Spirit helps our weakness, and the rest of verse 26 deals with His helping us to pray. The Holy Spirit helps in all things, and not just in prayer. This morning we're going to see two ways in which the Holy Spirit helps us. First, He helps us to concentrate on the glory 
which shall be revealed in us. And second, he helps us to pray. As we consider our first point, the Holy Spirit helps us to concentrate on the glory which shall be revealed in us. First, we must establish what we're talking about when we say the glory that shall be revealed in us. We're talking about the resurrection of our bodies when Christ returns. Verses 19 through 22 even speak of the whole creation waiting expectantly for the resurrection day. This is what is meant in verse 22 where we read, For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. The present creation is under God's curse because of Adam and Eve's sin. And Paul tells us there is a sense in which it groans and suffers as a woman in labor pains awaiting the birth of the new creation. When we think about earthquakes and volcanic eruptions, there's a sense in which uh, uh, there's groaning and and with the birth pangs, the pain. I uh, had been in the delivery room when uh, my children were born, and uh, makes me glad I wasn't born a woman. Uh, but uh, the uh, it's uh, it's really amazing. I was. Uh, I'm holding Ruth's hand, and I'm a pretty big guy, and sometimes when we're holding hands, just walking around, just you're squeezing too tight. Well, she hurt my hand uh, when the, she was having those birth pangs, and uh, so I, uh, I understand what it's talking about there, for observing Ruth. But verse 23 makes it clear that the glory waiting to be revealed in believers is their resurrection. There we read... Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly awaiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. We have the first fruits of the Spirit. We are resurrected spiritually. We have been born again into the kingdom of God. Ephesians 2, 1 through 6 makes it clear. We read, And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who was rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up together and made us Sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. A a glorious thought for us that we're here, but in some spiritual sense, we're seated in Christ in glory. Should lift us up today, thinking about what God has made 
of us. How glorious it is. Now we are awaiting the adoption of our bodies. And Paul tells us there's a sense in which we groan inwardly as we await this bodily resurrection. This should be the Christian experience. Our hearts should desire, should be to see Jesus come again and to be like him in our resurrection bodies. And this reminds us of what we read in Hebrews 9, 27 and 28. It says, And as it is appointed for men to die once, but after this the judgment, so Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. Now listen to this. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time, apart from sin, for salvation. Now sometimes people have wondered about me, that's not unusual, but uh, they've wondered why I pray for Jesus to come soon at the end of most of my prayers. It's because of this verse, and it's because I really eagerly long for his second coming, and because as a pastor I want to remind Christ's sheep that they should be longing for his second coming. As we labor for him in this present evil world, we should take the time to look to the sky sometimes and pray that we will see Jesus coming in the clouds with great glory and thousands of angels. What a glorious sight that will be. It's going to be. Do you look forward to it? Do you think about that? Do you pray for it to those who eagerly await? How do you show that you eagerly want something? You pray for it. You pray for it. And also, what is the last prayer in the Bible? In Revelation 22:29, the Apostle John prays, Even so, come, Lord Jesus. Jesus himself looked forward and kept his eyes on his own victorious resurrection and glorification to overcome his sufferings. Remember his words in John 2.19 when he answered the Jews' question about his authority for cleansing the temple. Jesus said, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. Of course, he was speaking about his body. Right from the beginning of his ministry, Jesus concentrated on his resurrection, his victorious resurrection and glory. In Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, makes this clear where we read, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily besets us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Who, listen to this now. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. 
Jesus kept the joy that was set before him in his mind, in his soul. His suffering and death would be the most horrible ever suffered by anyone. And we're going to remember that today by God's grace. And we see he found strength to overcome by concentrating on his joyous, victorious resurrection and glorification. We follow him in that. We're supposed to follow him in that. Christian, you may be enduring, undergoing persecution for your faith, or perhaps there is loneliness or even physical illness. Or maybe everything is fine right now, but we don't know what's ahead. Persecution, illness, loneliness. We must conquer now and be prepared to conquer in the future. By the power of the Holy Spirit within you, you must not let these things get you down. You must glorify God in them. Look ahead. Look ahead into the future and follow the example of your Savior. Set your mind on His return when you will be joyously resurrected and glorified in Him. Let that thought lift you up. That's ahead of you. Praise God. So, as we do this, we can also overcome the simple and sinful temptations that the world has to offer. Pray for the Holy Spirit to help you by giving you strength and wisdom to not be distracted and deceived. That's how Satan works a lot of time. We're, we're going on, we're, we're focusing, you're focusing on this message today and thinking about, yes, I want to think about his second coming and pray for his second coming. And you have, but you're going to get distracted this way. Distract, he's got distractions to slow you down. Keep your eyes on Christ and the glorious return that resurrection day. And this brings us to our second point. The Holy Spirit helps us to pray. In Romans 8, 26 and 27 we read, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Here's wonderful news, brothers and sisters. Wonderful news. There are going to be times when we as believers are not going to know for what we need to pray. We're going to be confused in the spiritual warfare in our lives. But praise God. Yes, praise God. The Holy Spirit Himself will intercede for us. He will help us. 
You know, I miss Tom. Tom would have been saying amen back there. Of course, we're Presbyterians. We don't say amen and praise God. We should. You know, it's okay. But uh kind of miss that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Substitute. And the Greek word for help here is a very strong word. It has the idea of a person holding on one end of a burden while another person helps by holding the other end of the burden. While we know that even our strength to hold comes from the Holy Spirit, we also know that God expects us to exercise our newly created wills as new persons that we are in Christ, to serve Him as we work with the Holy Spirit to walk in the good works which God has foreordained us to walk in, as uh, it says in Ephesians 2.10. It was the Holy Spirit who brought us to repent of our sin and trust in Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord. It is the Holy Spirit who sanctifies us as we die unto sin and live unto righteousness. Now we see it is the Holy Spirit who will intercede in prayer for us with groanings which are too deep for words. Yes, we are new creatures in Christ, and yes, we are now able to please God sometimes in our thoughts and actions, are the new person we have with new hearts that delight in the law of God. They have God's law written on them now. And sometimes the Holy Spirit works in us in such a way that we have the right attitude, the glory of God, and obedience to his commands. If we love Jesus, he said, we would keep his commandments. And by God's grace, we're able to please God sometimes. But because the old sinful nature still influences us to a certain degree, we always need the Holy Spirit, the help of the Holy Spirit. To see us through, to get us with that right mindset, the glory of God and obedience as evidence of our salvation. Not the basis. Christ's obedience alone is the basis of our salvation. Our obedience is the evidence of our salvation. That we really do have God, the Holy Spirit within us. Praise God. Praise God for that. Now before I close, I, want, I would be remiss if I didn't remind all of you that we're involved in a spiritual warfare. The spirit known as Satan and his demons are very real. And very often they disguise themselves as angels of light. Scripture says that uh, Satan does his worst damage disguised as an angel of light. Sometimes they might even be said, they use the name of Jesus, but they're not speaking of the Jesus of Scripture. It's a Jesus that falls short of the glory of the Jesus of Scripture. Our faith must be based on the right interpretation of the Bible, where God receives all the glory in our salvation. There is one unchanging true gospel of salvation by grace alone, by faith alone, by Christ alone. And we must always be reminding ourselves and each other 
of this one true gospel and comparing Scripture with Scripture in context to be sure we aren't being deceived by the spiritual powers of darkness. We see Satan deceiving the secular world with all these books and movies and television shows teaching people that they can communicate with spirits referred to as ghosts, programs on television and movies. They're supposed to be the ghosts or spirits of dead human beings. Well, there are no ghosts or dead human beings roaming around the earth. Just not happening. When people die, they either go to heaven or hell. And they're cut off from communication with people on earth. Just as we have prisons on earth which cut people off from contact with other human beings, outside the jail especially, God has even more power to make sure there's no contact, whatever, between living human beings and dead human beings. When people think they are communicating with dead human beings, they are either being deceived by their own sinful imaginations, or they are communicating with Satan or his demons. Sometimes these uh, satanic demons will say something that's true about a person, the dead person. They do have knowledge. And uh, they can trick. They're very devious. Again, uh, Satan going around as a, an angel of light. And these people think they're, they're something good, but it's not. Remember, Scripture tells us that Satan goes about like a, a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And he's out there deceiving the world with all of these imaginations and his demons, his, the powers that they have. When professing Christians seek for spiritual guidance outside of the Bible, they're listening to the spirits of darkness who will lead them astray. <coughs> Excuse me. Let us not despair in that time of confusion that might arise. Let us pray as best we can and let us be ever mindful of the fact that God the Holy Spirit himself makes perfect intercession for us. We have to remember that there is only one Spirit with whom we have to do and to whom we will listen, and that is the Holy Spirit, who reveals himself by working in you and in accord with the Word of God. He uses God's Word alone to teach us what God wants us to do. And makes perfect intercession for us, even when we have trouble praying. And so let us pray for the Holy Spirit to help us 
to not keep our minds on our present sufferings, but to be as our Savior and keep them on the glory that shall be revealed in us. Let us thank the Holy Spirit for His help in making perfect intercession for us when we are overcome by weakness. Now, if there are any unbelievers here, I don't know the spiritual condition of everyone who's walked in here today. But one thing I do know about you, because it comes from the Bible. The Bible says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. And Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Scripture tells us, there's... No other name given under heaven whereby we must be saved. If you're here today, it's no accident you're here. God is reaching out to you. Maybe you've heard the gospel before. But God is reaching out to you through this congregation who has me here in the pulpit this morning. And He's calling you to repent of your sin. Ask God to forgive you. And trust that Jesus Christ paid for your sins on the cross. All of them. And trust that His perfect righteousness is put to your account. So God sees you sinless because He died for your sins. But also righteous because He imputes His righteousness to you. And what, what does that mean? It means all the glory is God's, is Christ's in our salvation. All His works on our behalf. And as I said earlier in the message, our works later will give evidence that we really have been born again. That we will do what the Holy Spirit wants us to do as guided by Scripture. And that will be the what? The evidence. Not the basis, but the evidence of our salvation. Repent of your sins. Trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, and you will be saved. May God have mercy on you and give you the grace to believe. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, again we rejoice in the clarity of your word. Thank you, Lord, for bringing us here today and opening your word to us, being reminded of what we should be looking forward to. Lord, even learning from the creation itself that the groans and travails, that there should be that heart's desire in us for your second coming. Uh, We should eagerly be awaiting it. Help us, Lord, uh, to have that attitude in, in our prayers and in our thinking during the day, remembering your coming, your coming for us to make us like yourself in our resurrection bodies. Make us faithful, Lord, in all these things. And uh, if anyone did come in not really knowing you as Savior and Lord, we pray this day you've caused them to enter your kingdom. And uh, we pray that you'd come soon, Lord Jesus, and pray in your precious name. Amen.